0: Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio. In season six, we are talking about the circular economy across Africa. Barry and I are learning a lot this season and today we are joined by Audrey S. Darko, who is the team lead at Sabon Sake. Sabon Sake is a regenerative agricultural startup based in Ghana. It focuses on soil health and improving soil carbon density and believes in the potential of sustainable regenerative agriculture. I was really excited about this conversation, Barry, and it really didn't disappoint. <laughs> I think just looking at circular economy from this ag- angle of agriculture and bio-waste as opposed to sort of industri- industry waste that we normally look at, it's such an interesting twist on it for me, and I'm so glad that we got the chance to talk about it.
1: Yeah, normally, not normally, for for a season and a half now we have largely focused on, to use I think Ellen MacArthur's terminology, like the technical half of the circular economy and so it was really fun. And Audrey was um, inspiring and eloquent and brilliant and cool and I'm running out of... uh,
0: (laughs) I want Audrey to be my friend, she's so inspiring, just all (laughs) the things that Sabon Saki are doing are just, you know, even if she just talked about one of the things that they're doing, It would have been like whoa this sounds like a really cool company and then she kept adding other things that they're also doing and talking about her motivation behind it and sort of the thought process of working with people and how to make sustainable change yeah really cool very inspiring
1: and we managed only one terrible pun about
0: digging (laughs) (laughs) I know I was really holding back I feel like we could have got a few more in but I
1: just I resisted yeah, yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> and so without further ado, let's meet Audrey. To start us off, if you wouldn't mind just saying hi in your name and some introduction about the work that you're doing in Saban Sake.
2: Hi, my name is Audrey Estaku, and I am team lead at Sabin Sake. Sake means in the Hausa language to transform or to make something new And for us, we are a research and environmental restoration organization focused on not just transforming agricultural waste or biomass waste into value-added products, but then also transforming the mindsets of the rural communities that we work with on how to preserve their environment and to also recycle waste within their communities.
1: Brilliant. And welcome to Happy Porch Radio. Thank you really interested, we talked just before we started recording about how in this season we haven't talked much about the biological cycle in terms of the circular economy. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Let's start to dig by exploring a little bit more about what you described there. So, And starting from this last thing you said with mindset, can you tell us a little bit more about what that means?
2: Just to expand on on the mindset issue, I feel that that works or that should work in tandem with how we kind of teach people on how to preserve the environment and as well to see the value in the waste, which should not be called waste. In our case or in my case, I tend to call it a resource, right? Starting, first of all, for the community or the individuals we work with to realize waste as a resource, first of all. So when they start to shift their mindset from seeing it as not just waste into a resource, then they see how best, how best that can be of value to their lives. And then they begin to value it. And then when they begin to value it, then they preserve it. And when they preserve it, that adds more value and uh, essence to their livelihoods as well as their development. So for us it's, it's more of like to enhance their thinking around transforming waste through training, through education, through awareness, through discussion, dialogue, and then as well getting them to belong, right See how it's, it's, an, it's an advantage for them to make use of the waste, transform it for their betterment. That's how it, I would I would talk about transforming mindsets or the mindset thing linked with circular economy
0: thank you Audrey I love I love the name of your company and is it means transform and how your whole conversation already is is like focused around that transformation I love that sort of image and and thinking that way and as you said that Rethinking of, oh, this is a waste product. No, actually, it's a resource. That's kind of like one of the fundamentals of the circular economy that Barry and I have been coming across time and time again, not just in this season, but in season five as well. I'm going to steal the pun that Barry didn't dare say dig a little deeper. <laughs> um, <laughs> I heard you attempted to say it, Barry, but you didn't go there. And I'm going there. <laughs> I, <resist>. <laughs> <laughs> I love a pun. Yeah, Audrey, can you tell us a bit more about the waste side of things? So what is the sort of problem at the minute, the system that's producing the waste, which we're now reframing as a resource, and how that's potentially sort of problematic in the current system?
2: Awesome. So our waste currently focuses on agricultural waste. And it's quite broad for that term, agricultural waste, or biomass waste. So this would, this would entail waste or residue that's coming out from farmlands it could be in our case it would be sugarcane bagasse right which is basically byproducts from extracting sugarcane juice from sugarcane it could be rice husk it mainly has to do with the heavy manufacturing side of things for agriculture where people just have a lot of let's say corn stovers that they that are left to rot or burnt on their farmlands so our goal or our way of, of working with with this particular waste is partner with the communities or these agro waste producing d- districts or communities, where instead of abandoning them in the open in the open air or just burning them, which they do in large quantities across like their processing mills, we store them, we treat them, and then. Extract or extract maximum value from the waste instead of it being abundant. So that's what we do, and our focus at the moment has been with waste like sugarcane, which produces like one of the largest uh, biomass residues across like agricultural waste, and then you have like rice husk and the
0: likes. Thank you, Audrey. So you're based in Ghana, I believe, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head of how big the agricultural sector is in Ghana. I don't know, is that something you happen to know?
2: <laughs> um, I could guesstimate and probably quite, quite close to the right figures because Ghana is an agrarian society and you have like over a million farmers, but at the same time you have about 50% of GDP coming from agriculture, right? Between like, let's say 40 to 50%. I could be, I start to be corrected, but I know that's been quite prevalent over the, the, the years. So you find a lot of people either having it as main occupation or like a side hustle or some sort of hobby. So it's quite big. It's just not super industrialized or mechanized to support the willingness and zeal people have for farming, but they're doing excellent so far. And it's an amazing like region to actually start agriculture or like want to have community to do that with you.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting because we have that, as you say, it's a really huge part of the whole national economy. And when we're looking at that transition to a circular economy, the agricultural sector has to come into it. So all this waste that you're talking about being produced is actually on a huge scale when you think about how much agriculture goes on across the country. <laughs> I don't really have a question, it just blows my mind that that this isn't really something that we've spoken about so much when it comes to the transition to circular economy, that agriculture seems to have been almost left behind a little bit. Is that something that you recognize? Yes, exactly. And just to
2: butchers that point as well, globally, according to like the UNCRD, these, these are, since our company is also a research organization, we tend to also like, you know, feed off that, feed off like scientific facts and research. And Globally, according to like the UNCRD, there are over 998 million tons of agricultural waste produced per year and it, it just goes to show how much you know that industry or sector is also neglected just globally. so imagine with agrarian societies where like people are farming on the daily the amount of waste that is either being burnt or left to to rot, when it could be recycled or when it could be reused or repurposed for the good.
0: Yeah, I can I can see that. I suppose a question listening to this, a a question that might come up would be, Okay, so, yeah, there's a lot of agricultural waste that comes up when you're farming at such a huge scale. But can't it just be composted? Isn't that sort of the point of these organic waste streams that it can just go back into the ground in some way? What would you say to that, Audrey?
2: That's that's a very good question um, very good um, how do I call it statement and I feel like it's also a great branch that a lot of organizations and a lot of communities are going into. I mean, it's it's a good way to put waste to use. But for us at Seven Sake, our focus lies on even how we can move on, you know, from a circular economy and even you know dive head on straight into a regenerative economy as well so it's more of like we're trying to put one foot in in the circular economy and then jump onto regenerative and that necessarily would take a holistic approach and that would mean that not just composting it would mean that how are we making use of resources that have been depleted as a result of like the conventional ways and then build upon that to better the agricultural system so for us At the moment, we are currently um, using a carbon capturing system that allows us to turn these biomass waste into stable carbon, such such that it's stored into the ground to help mitigate climate change. And as well, it becomes a soil additive that can help act as a good catalyst for composting. So we're, we're kind of like you know, helping people compost a bit faster because we know that composting takes quite a number of, of months or weeks for it to mature. And then our process as as well as, you know, helping to better the climate or, or the environment can also help stimulate the processes for composting a bit more faster.
1: I love the the fact there, Audrey, that you're talking you introduced the term regenerative as well because, that well, it's very inspiring. And that example you just gave there, I think, is brilliant. It's not just, in the same way that I often say recycling is, you know, it's not just recycling in terms of circular. It's not just composting in terms of bio-waste as well. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. So you're talking there about doing carbon capture and facilitating or being a catalyst for for, for the rest of the process. I think that's brilliant. Do you have any other examples of the work that you're doing that can kind of make it real like that
2: yes i talk about the i'll talk about the tourist side of things where for me i would see a bit of the practice of secularity there so we currently reside within a community that has a a unesco you know it's a unesco rum society it's, it's It's a wetland, right? A conservation area. And over there, you have tourists coming through. You have both locals and people outside of the region coming to either go on a canoe safari or, you know, deciding to just see how sugarcane waste is turned into, let's say, a soil booster or how sugarcane juice is produced into a local gin or rum, for instance. For us, we realized that having the need for, let's say, local management, right? Where when tourists come, you have, let's say, revenue that comes in, stay within the community where the tourists generate income for the community. And then from there, the community is able to save a percentage of that into a local fund that helps maintain the tourist side as well as support their livelihoods. And then where that revenue as well is reinvested back into that nature-based ecosystem or ecotourist site. And then that creates a closed loop where the environment is being protected, sources of income are also trickling down to like the locals and as well going back into the, let's say the reserves and the wetland areas or the tourist attractions. So that's one example where I see circular economy. And then the second one would simply be with how we're turning like, the biomass waste, sugarcane, for instance, using the, 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 the leaves or the trash, as we call it, or the bagasse, and then turning that into soil boosters, right, that help farmers within our regenerative farming network to apply before they start planting. So in that sense, the waste, instead of it bent is transformed into something that is helpful for, good for soil health it goes back into the ground, produces plants and yields that are good and strong, and then goes back to feed the world, and then the cycle continues. So those are the two perspectives or angles I see it, but I, I feel like there could be more.
1: That's so amazing. So amazing. I love the fact in that first example when you're talking about this full human social part of that process you know and keeping things local and making that closed loop that's i i'm just i don't have a question i just think that's awesome (laughs) and also tying that back to what you described at the start when you were talking about the mindset change i assume that is when you talk about the community aspect there and, and things like ecotourism and the and the and the viewing waste as resource i assume this is kind of what pulls it all together is that a fair assumption
2: Yes, it's a fair assumption and also creating the avenue for people within the community to see themselves as stewards, right? Not forced, not some sort of coerced situation, but they feel like I need to own up to this and take care of it. So so because of that, I'm willing to stand up and manage this resource, right? I'm willing to tell another farmer who might not be convinced yet that burning biomass waste is is not good and say, hey, stop, we could use this for something else. Or being able to be strong and say, I will take care of this water body that lives right next to my house instead of dumping the waste because it would give me a source of income, that's one. It will get me better. There'll be a better economic spillover, for instance. And then as well, I'm able to preserve the landscape that I reside in. So it's more of like, making them own up and have a sense of belonging as well to the process of trying to protect their environment, preserve their landscape and to take care of of resources that they first thought was waste.
0: I think that is so important, Audrey, what you just said of that sense of ownership and yes, yeah, stewardship you mentioned as well of, of the land That we reside on and rely upon for our well-being and nutrition and livelihood in some cases. Yeah, really an essential part of this whole transition towards a circular economy and I really think one that can't be understated. (laughs) <laughs> you just keep mentioning like other things that you're doing at Sabon like this oh yeah we do the thing with regenerating the soil and making carbon capture stuff and we also do the thing with ecotourism and we also do research it sounds like there's a lot going on <laughs> I would like to know a bit more about your story like what motivates you and what got you here in the first place
2: okay I'd say it's research so research is at the apex of the pyramid and then you have agriculture and then you have nature under ecotourism or nature based tourism. So research got me to start this. I think I've just been I've just been led by curiosity over over the period of my life. Maybe it's a short one, a short life, but I decided to take a trip whilst I was in college and that was because Ghana here had Started a sugarcane factory and had set up really huge sugarcane factories across the country, and then we were all excited because it meant, you know, employment, better livelihoods, outgrower schemes, where sugarcane farmers, you know, can then supply to these factories. All of a sudden, we hear it's collapsed. Right, money spent, money gone, and then we hear it's been resuscitated. We are happy again, and then we hear It's collapsed. Okay. Now that sounds very, very <laughs> repetitive and sad. So I was reading a newspaper one day and I was like, why is this happening? And I've been very spontaneous from birth. So I just took a trip. I left on the weekend of like my final year and then took a trip to like a sugarcane village. And I was like, I'm going to find the solution to this problem <laughs> to make sure that these factories don't collapse again. <laughs> and then after that, I, I spent months and weeks, you know, going back and forth in these of communities. And then I realized that in order to actually produce the yields that are adequate enough to supply these factories, we need to ensure that the soils, right, are good enough, which they weren't at that time, especially with the community I worked with. They weren't good enough to be able to produce those large quantities and get these farmers excited about wanting to be outgrowers for the factories. So it started like that. And then from there, I just fell in love with the whole nature the water the people and born out of research I said why don't we make this a project and then get the people involved to actually steward it and and that's how it all began but just on the side I'm also from a family of agriculturists my grandfather was one my dad was as well on my side his corporate job and we spent time you know picking sweet apples and planting avocados in our backyard, in our small backyard, but that was fun to see. So it was just great trying to do this for for a larger space or landscape, which is the community we work with in Ghana right now. So that's how it all began. And I hope I don't give up, but so far, it's
0: been an amazing ride. Wow, that is so inspiring. (laughs) I was just listening like, oh, that's so cool. Audrey's so cool. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I love that you saw this problem. Like, you know, these factories are coming and going. There's no sustainability here. I think I can help solve this problem. And then not only looking just at that sort of enclosed problem of like the factories themselves, but realizing that in order for whatever solution you come up with to be sustainable, it has to be based in the natural environment that is actually producing Those resources, that sugarcane, the soil itself needs to be taken care of. And, you know, just looking back historically, I think human civilization has not been good at doing that. Sort of like looking at these small scale, short term problems and not looking at the bigger picture and thinking, oh, wait, the effect that we have now on the natural environment is what is important because that's going to help us to maintain whatever it is we're trying to build. Very inspiring.
2: Thank you. I think that's, that's actually really cool. And and I feel like that's an approach to, let's say, s- the circular economy, that should be added. I, I feel like trying to get the people involved, right, and to create that holistic approach where we know that the people can help make this more sustainable, Even even if there's like a system, a process, some technology that can help create, secularity, but if we can get like the human resource, right, to also have that mindset and be part of it, they have the longer end of the stick to actually ensure that secularity is maintained or sustained over the time. Well, that's what I think, at least.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's what this transition is all about. It has to be maintained. We can't consider it a sort of short-term fix. So yeah, that long-term thinking is really essential here so in terms of that long-term thinking when you think about yourself and you think about sabon sake and also the other people that you work with the the people who are as you say taking ownership of the land themselves and also the responsibility for it what's your kind of big dream what's the if we're to like zoom ahead I don't know 10 years or something what does it look like whoa (laughs) small question small question to you (laughs)
2: bullseye so that's like the big dream yes yeah the big dream the big dream would be to to actually first of all focus on the rural areas right i think the urban the urban landscapes kind of get it or are getting it but then at least for this part of of the continent or my country, Ghana, I'd say that, uh, first of all, is to focus on on the rural development of rural communities and then try and set up these small scale, I call them villages. So we call them like uh, regenerative or if you may, circular villages where you have like a network of people within these various communities, right, having consistent dialogue or discussion about these things, how we can make waste a resource and mobilize it for our good, and then create those small-scale processes, right, making it more open source for them to actually tap into it, experience it for themselves, and see how they can apply it to their lives. And then from there, I'm hoping that that approach can be decentralized across other communities, across other organizations, across other institutions, whether it be in your office whether it be in your house whether it be in your in in like a farmland whatever it is decentralizing those approaches and making it very open source and creating those consistent dialogues where they are ambassadors for that mission and for us if we can do that in in the in one community that we are working in and then move on to the next community in the next 10 years and do that to the next and hopefully capture an entire region Right, and, and, and in a, in the region, it could be about maybe twenty districts with twenty communities. That would be that would be the big dream. That would be the the big objective. It then means that the solution will not just lie within myself, but then it will be decentralized and dispersed to other people. And then then it proliferates, and then it, it goes on and on and on and lives beyond like myself, and then my organization and the people that we work with. So that's like the big dream, decentralise that approach, decentralise the thinking around waste as a resource, and then get people to actually create that dynamo effect across the regions and then across the country.
1: That's a brilliant answer to that question, Audrey. Thank you. I was just took a moment to... To absorb what you're saying there. I think that's really and we've used this before already in this conversation. Inspiring. That's awesome. So here's another easy, difficult question. What's the challenges, the challenges that you face right now when you look at okay, you know, that would be the wonderful dream. What are the challenges that you're facing right now to to, to taking making steps towards that dream?
2: Whoa, that's another big question. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Just pulling your legs. I think it would be culture, because culture kind of affects your mindset, right? So, and, and, you know, culture kind of takes a long time to actually build and to actually be established. So, to be honest, I that's been like major challenge where, so currently, I work with a community where, you know, I don't really speak the language, right? I'm learning to, but... That's not necessarily a barrier, but then it means that I have to quickly evolve and learn it for myself and the people that work with with me and um, within the community to quickly adjust, you know, and create that rapport where people can just pick up the idea and flow with it, right? So that's one culture where you have people already having their, their, how do I call it, they already have their preset notions of things, of how to do things conventional ways of doing things. So when you bring that idea and say, oh, this is this this might be a great way to try the things, there's a bit of hesitation. So a challenge there has been culture and trying to break that down or trying to create those opportunities for people to want to at least listen to you. I think so far we've done our best and it's it's getting better and the way out in order to to create that culture has been to create dialogue, right? Consistent dialogue, and, and for for us, if we can do that do that more frequently, it would be more easy, to to be frank. So um, that's been a major challenge. Culture, I think that could also affect whether you're in Africa or whether you're in Europe or in the Americas, right? Culture is, is a huge 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 issue. Another thing, yeah, I think that that's the main thing. That's the main thing. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's really interesting. It's like the other side of the coin of the mindset shift change and then the opportunity and a theme that we've we seen on several conversations, but especially in this conversation today, Audrey, is that, you know, that as you, as you started talking there about mindset with about how important it is for the, the role of people. And then your dream was about the community, you know, and, and that is all the. And then that is the challenge as well, is because people, <laughs> culture and people are challenging. We're starting to run out of time for this conversation, unfortunately, and I feel like we have, you know, uh, we've barely touched on on so many of the things that you and Sab and Saki are doing. As we start to wind off, one question for you: How do if people want to find out a little bit more about the work you're doing, or support, or cheer along with the work you're doing? Where can they? Is there any ways they can find out more or get in touch?
2: Yes, Barry. We're launching a new version of our website pretty soon. It's probably already up, but it will be in better. It will be out of better version by, let's say, the weekend. So you can catch us on www. You could also catch us on Twitter at Saban Sake, and then. As well and Happy Porch.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can catch. On the podcast very, very shortly. <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And and very finally, is there anything before we sign off on this conversation, and thank you so much for joining us, but is there anything before we go that you would like to, that we haven't touched on that you would like to mention?
2: I would say I think it, it definitely begins with us. If we have to create and establish solidly um, circular economies within major economies. And that would mean that one not giving up, that would mean that seeing the value in the human resource within communities to be able to proliferate that idea, proliferate processes and establish systems and approaches that have to do with the circular economy. And then as well, collaboration. I'm hoping really that I get to meet other organizations within the space, you know, where we can partner, collaborate to actually ensure that this mission um, of secularity and regenerative agriculture or building regenerative or secular economies can come to fruition uh, through collaboration and partnership. So that's what I have to say. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. So for everybody listening, sabonsaki.com and also we'll put all those links and everything we've talked about as usual on happyporchradio.com. Thank you so much, Audrey. It's been a real pleasure and honor to have you speaking to us today.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Emily. Thank
0: you, Barry. Thank you, Audrey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Happy Porch Radio. Hope you enjoyed it. You can hear more of our episodes at happyporchradio.com. You can also get in touch with us there. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you have any ideas or if you wanna talk to us about something. We'd also love it if you can share these podcasts, review, rate, tell your pals, tell your neighbors, tell everyone. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. (laughs) Listen along with the whole family.
1: And my name's Barry and I founded happyporch.com and Happy Porch Fund and support the podcast at Happy Porch. We do technology and software development for purpose-led businesses and we are particularly excited about the role of digital as an enabler for the circular economy. So if you're working on solutions to the big problems we face today, problems like climate change and biodiversity loss and global inequality, then let's connect. Visit happyport.com and get in touch.
0: And my name's Emily, and I am a coach, a facilitator, and a podcaster. My projects focus on personal development, innovation for a better world, and connecting with nature. My latest podcasting adventure, alongside Happy Port Radio is exploring the world of carbon removal. Find out more about this and everything that I do at emilyswaddle.com or you can get in touch with me at hello at emilyswaddle.com